What up, Misfits? Welcome to the Misfit Heroes Podcast. My name is Chris, and together we are going on a journey. All right, quick disclaimer, Misfits. This episode deals with a little bit of mature content. So if you're listening with your kids around, you might want to pause this one and listen later. I'll give you a second to do that. One, two, skip a few, 99, 100. All right. Misfits, there's an attack happening on your kids as we speak, and it isn't where you might think. Every day, teenagers, sometimes 13 and younger, are targeted by online predators and criminals with the intent of selling children into slavery. This has never been more prevalent than it is on social media sites. Now, most social media companies have an age restriction of 13 years old, but the current sign-up process is so lax that anyone can enter a birthday into the sign-up form and create an anonymous profile. The problem gets compounded even worse when social media companies like Facebook and Instagram are planning on creating new versions of their social media sites targeted specifically towards kids as young as six years old. And with the recent Facebook whistleblower scandal, we learn that social media companies intentionally will choose profit over the well-being of their patrons. So, as a parent, what are we to do to help our children stay safe online? Well, that's where my guest tonight comes in. Stephanie Olson is the creator of the Set Me Free Project, an organization whose purpose is to educate and empower kids in schools about the dangers of online interactions and sexual predators. The organization has reached over 400 schools nationwide and promotes a culture of encouragement, knowledge, and conversational topics in a light and humorous way that kids can relate to. We discuss how to discuss online activity with your children, how social media companies are targeting your children and looking to create a profit off of younger audiences, and how the Facebook whistleblower scandal could affect the information that your children see online in the future. Misfits, this is a conversation that we need to have with our children. So let's change some lives tonight. Please welcome Stephanie Olson. Playing the Misfit Heroes podcast. Stephanie, welcome to the Misfit Heroes podcast. How are you doing tonight? Thank you, Chris. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you have a cause that I can get behind 100%. I'm very excited to talk about it, and I think you're a very knowledgeable person about it. So I think we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's great. get right into it. Now, Misfits, for those that don't know, Stephanie is the CEO of the Set Me Free Project, and they're an organization that focuses on the fight against human trafficking. And, you know, before we get started, can you explain to me what the Set Me Free project is and what are you guys looking to accomplish with it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of great stuff happening on the um, recovery side, on the restoration side. But what we found was there was not a whole lot on the prevention side. And so we started by um, putting a curriculum together and we now go into classrooms. We have a curriculum from third grade through college age for youth. And then we talk to adults of, of all kinds. So anyone who will listen to us, we will talk to, but we are all about prevention education. Let's talk about your backstory a little bit. You know, we, we like to call it the origin story, if you will, but mm -hmm. um, <laughs> what made you want to start the Set Me Free project? What made you want to get into this line of work? I didn't want to get into this line of work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had worked personally previously with women in the area of addiction and domestic violence. And I had been speaking across um, the United States and, and was very happy doing that. And then one of uh, my coworkers said, hey, let's help trafficked victims. 
Those were her exact words. Having no idea what that meant. And, you know, at that time we thought it's the movie Taken. This is what it's all about. And um, when we started to research it and really understand what trafficking looked like, especially in the United States, um, we realized, gosh, nobody's actually talking to the targets of trafficking and nobody's talking to their parents or the people who work with them. And that's our youth. And so that's really how it began. And so how many kids and families have you guys helped so far? Oh, my gosh. Oh, wasn't expecting that question. So <laughs> here's, here's what I will say. That, thousands, thousands. Um, we, have, we started in one school. And um, we are now in a little over 400 schools across the Midwest, actually, and we're expanding. We're talking to somebody in Florida. We're, ta- I mean, so it's uh, we just it's it's been a great journey. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. 400. That's, that's insane. You know, I'm, I'm amazed that people are able to, you know, talk about this in school. Cause it's such a valid, um, topic that we really need to talk about, you know, what yeah. exactly does your guys curriculum entail? I mean, what can people expect? Yeah, well, and that's probably, I would say what sets us apart from other organizations, because um, we love to be a consistent presence in the in the schools. We love to go every quarter, every semester. Um, but our curriculum itself, we have curriculum on um, on sex trafficking, on healthy relationships, social media safety, which is throughout all of our curriculum. And with the littles, we're not talking about trafficking. We're talking about consent and empathy and those types of things. But the big focus of our curriculum is that it's engaging, it's fun, and we bring a lot of, despite the topic, a lot of humor. Because studies have shown that when you're talking to people and it's fear-based, they're not, they're not getting it. They're not retaining it. They may retain it for a short time, but if it's fun, humorous, and activity-based, they're going to remember what you're talking about. And so that's really the focus of our, of our curriculum. And the bottom line is throughout every piece is that you have incredible value. You have an intrinsic value and worth that nobody can change. And so if we really understand that and grab a hold of that, um, it, it changes everything. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that that's all it takes to tell people that? Yeah. It really is. In this time of, you know, social media and just uh, like, I don't know, just personal, personal wealth or personal, like feelings about yourself. It just, it just amazes me that we don't have that in the world so much that, you know, people need to be reminded that of themselves, you know? Well, let me tell you a quick story, if I may, because this really drove it home for, for us just this year, we had a young boy, he was in eighth grade and he approached us after the presentation and said, I got to go back to that value thing because no one has ever told me I have value. And so our educator talked to him and and just um, helped him through that. And then he wound up disclosing that he was in an extremely abusive home. His, His brother was abusing him and it had just been infested in the home. 
And so we obviously reported it. And normally when that happens, we don't hear the aftermath. We don't hear what happens. But this young boy emailed us and said, hey, I wanted you to know I'm out of the home. They pulled me out, but I am safe for the first time in my life. And it's because of you. I have ever never felt safe before. And thank you for, for helping me. Then he emailed us a month later and said, today's my birthday. And I just wanted you to know I'm having a birthday because of you. Wow. So that's why we do what we do. Wow. I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta feel amazing to, you know, <laughs> have someone tell you that, you know, those, those, yeah. those personal testimonies, you know, I was looking through your website and first off, you guys have a great website. Thank you. I mean, as, as a previous web developer, I am very impressed with it, but nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's very, it's very informative. I mean, it has, it has a ton of information on there and, but you've also got these testimonies of not only like I'm assuming they look like teachers and like things like that from the classrooms, but the kids that yeah. that you talk to. I mean, and there's little pictures on them; they're handwritten. It's yeah. not like stuff typed out. <laughs> that is so powerful. You know what I mean? It, it is cool. It, we will get those in just you know envelopes with the stacks of of thank yous, and it is very cool to get those. Well, I really, I really love what you're doing. I'm very impressed with it. Um, I want to go to something real quick. You know, you mentioned earlier that people tend to think of human trafficking as like sort of like that movie Taken or like a TV yeah. in a movie show. It's like a kidnapping situation, right? Right, right. And you know, I've I've listened to some other podcasts that you've been on. I've I've followed some of your content a little bit, and you know. One thing I've noticed is that that's not necessarily the case. You're not getting like yanked into a van or anything like that. It's kind of an ongoing relationship that's being built with people. Yeah. Um, can you describe that a little bit? Can you describe how your average tracking case unfolds? Absolutely. Yeah, we we see those things on social media. We see the memes, you know, whatever you do, don't go to Walmart and park next to a white van because you're going to get pulled in and kidnapped and, and trafficked. And that's just not how it happens. It's sensational and people love to hear those stories. But the reality is the majority of trafficked individuals know their traffickers before they are ever trafficked. Mm. And the majority of trafficked individuals don't self-identify as being trafficked. So what traffickers are doing is they are finding people who they view as vulnerable, they view as high risk, perhaps, um, whatever that may be, and they, they target them on social media. And that's one of the places they target them. And so they may build a relationship with that person. Now, now you're my best friend. Now we're dating, whatever it may be. And after a period of, um, I mean, it could be a week, but it could be a year, a time of grooming, then all of a sudden we're doing something that we would have never done because we trust this person because we love this person. And because now we think we chose this. Yeah. It amazes me. You know, the social media aspect is definitely something that I want to get into with you as well. But, yeah. but you know, the fact that it can be such a long relationship with somebody that, you know, right. I, I've got a girlfriend or boyfriend and, and they're, you know, they they've developed these relationships so deeply and so intensely and often i've heard i've heard that a lot of these relationships start in school it's not in social media it's like 
inside of school buildings. Yeah. Actually, one of the top five places. So social media is usually about number one ish. Um, one of the top five places is in school. And so it's, it's not that, that typical. I, I had an eighth grader say to me that a predator is like that creepy old guy, like super old 30 in a trench coat. You know, that's what they think the super old 30 year old. (laughs) And the reality is it's that engaging person could be their age, you know, somebody maybe a little older and um, it's very deceptive. Yeah. You know, as as a 38 year old, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, note to self, don't buy any trench coats. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. Especially around eighth graders. That's <laughs> ridiculous. It's it's amazing what uh what goes through the mind of a child, right? <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't want to go in there at night at some point. Their their minds are are very terrifying, but so is mine. So <laughs> That's why I love kids. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I noticed on your website, I love that you give contact information as well for like the um, the National Runaway Safe Line and the Human Trafficking yeah. Line and things like that. Um, you know, how I think this is something that people need to be aware of beforehand you know they've got i I think i think it needs to be prepared for um and i'm sure that's a very uncomfortable conversation to have with your kid particularly if they're a teenager or something like that but yeah um but before that you know if someone is being trafficked what are the best resources for them to reach out to or find yeah so there is the national um trafficking hotline which is and they make that number really easy to remember it's 888-3737-888 And um, that is definitely an important number to report, to ask questions. But once something's reported, it goes on the desk of someone in each state, and it has to be followed up on. That's not a quick fix um, by any means. You're not going to see, you know, police officers running down to the house that you've reported. But it is important that it gets out there. Now, of course, if there's in, imminent danger, we want to call 911. But there are some amazing organizations that are doing the recovery side, um, working with law enforcement, doing the restoration piece. And um, those are, and a lot of those are local and community type uh, places that, that people really do want to connect with. And you're right before it's a problem, before something's happening, and um, knowing who to contact. And and we are available with quest for questions or anything like that. So if anybody did have questions on where do I go? What do I do? We are also available for that. One of the other things that I like that you do is the education process of it. And I may have asked you this, I, I don't, I don't think I heard you. But, you know, what are the age ranges for the kids that you guys educate? Yeah. Wide. It's third grade through college age. And so from third grade through sixth grade, we're taught, we're not talking sex trafficking. We're talking consent. We're talking empathy for each other. We're talking, um, you know, consent really is an important topic when it comes to even good touch, bad touch, because we are taught, I think as a society, I always say, non-huggers, I believe, started COVID. I'm pretty sure non-huggers and dogs 
were the instigators of COVID because we've got all of these huggers like me. And if I want to go in for a bear hug to a non-hugger, what are they going to do? The likelihood is they're going to scrunch up. They're going to hug you anyway. And we actually need to teach our kiddos from young to old that you get to say no. If somebody is trying to touch you, good or bad touch, it is okay to say no. But we've kind of been taught in our society it's rude to do that. And so we need to get back to it is okay to say you know, that's not something that makes me comfortable. And that's really what we teach in, you know, third grade through sixth. And then once seventh or eighth grade hits, we really start talking about sex trafficking. Um, We talk about healthy relationships. And then again, social media safety is weaved through all of that, because I cannot tell you how many third graders are on Snapchat. I am so glad that you brought that up, because that is mind boggling (laughs) to me. You know, there's two things about that. One, you know, first off, have you received any like pushback or anything like that from any of the parents about, you know, why are teaching my kids about this? Because that's like a double edged sword, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we've only received pushback from parents when they don't understand. And once we talk to them, they're fine. Um, Probably the biggest pushback we receive from parents is we don't like to talk to parents and kids together because we want the kids to be able to openly disclose and feel confident in doing that. And then with parents, we love to teach parents tricks of the trade. You know, let us tell you how to help your kids safely navigate through social media. So That's probably the biggest pushback I get is, well, why do you want to talk to my kid without me? Once we talk to the parents, once we explain it, they're begging us to get into their schools. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sure they want to, you know, there's probably a lot of conversations that they're either uneasy about having or that the kid doesn't want to get involved in. So that's that's brilliant, actually, you know, but I could see where I could see where that would be a weird thing. Like, you know, why are you talking to my kid without me? So, yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up Snapchat because I actually I I wanted to talk about that with you. You know, there's that is definitely a generational tool. I I think that is a a much younger mindset. But what people don't recognize about Snapchat is the entire concept for it from the beginning was to be able to delete messages and basically have everything go away. So I'm sitting there, you know, there's. The main function of that app is, you know, you can you can send pictures and then the pictures get deleted off your device. So you have no history of them and you can send messages. It was created for sexting. It, re- it really yeah. is. I mean, it really is. I mean, yeah, I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, you know, isn't that the exact um, protocol that somebody that's trying to groom someone for trafficking would use? Um, yeah, it makes it really now Snapchat's really interesting because when they started, um, and they would deny this today, but they really did start with the mindset of you can send pictures, you can delete them. It was, it was, um, created for sexting and then they started to cuten it up. And so now you can do fun things, you can have fun filters and all of the things that really attract kiddos. And um, it's changed everything 
Now they have put in some safety measures. So if somebody takes a screenshot of what you it tells you that that's been taken and things like that, but it doesn't prevent that from happening. And so, yeah, it's definitely one of those tools that can be used for really, really bad yeah, things. It's it's honestly, I, I feel like, I feel like it's downright nefarious, you know, um, the yeah. the the way that these apps again like i said mm-hmm. i mean i i don't feel like i'm sure there are some you know 50 60 70 year old people on snapchat but i guarantee you the target market is not those people you know what i mean it's not no. adults it's really no. not and right. and right. that's just it, it, it's really it amazes me that that no one is paying attention to that that you know it's it's just it's so designed specifically for for that speaking of that i wanted to ask you this as well you know facebook and um and instagram and all of these social media websites the average user the age requirement for them is 13 years old right (laughs) and how many people that you know are under 13 years old are on those sites what are your thoughts on that because you log into these sites and it's not like they verify your identity or anything like that in any way, shape, no. or form. Do you think kids, do you think 13 is a good enough age to be on social media? So here's what I would say. Um, first of all, I tell, I can't even tell you how many parents let their kids be on social media before 13 and, and had them lie about their age because you have to lie about your age in order to get to get in there and so i always tell parents don't start social media with teaching them to lie to get onto social media that's just a bad idea all the way around if they're not supposed to be on it we want to support that they're not supposed to be on it but um it really depends on your family. It depends on the maturity of the kiddo. What I would say is that with with parents, we need to be very diligent when it comes to monitoring our kiddos' social media. And so we need to do media checks. And that means taking all of their media at the same time, because they're fantastic deleters. And so we want to get all of their media. We want to check it. We want to go through everything, go through their, their social media. We want to go through their history. We want to go through their, all, all of the things, their texts and, um, and make sure that what they're doing is safe. Now, some kids at 13 should absolutely not have any social media whatsoever. Some kids can handle it. But what I say to parents is you want them to learn how to safely navigate social media when they're in your home. So I have a lot of parents who will say, I'm not letting my kids on social media. They can do it when they're out. Teach them how to do that. And so when they're they're at home, you know, I think the if they're too young, it can be detrimental. You don't want them to have it in their room by themselves, things like that. There's some safety measures that you can put into place. I I feel like it's just like driving. You know, when you're going to get your when you're going to get your driver's license, you don't just hop into mom and dad's car and just take off. I'm sure, you know, they're they're 
Yeah, not exactly. a good idea. You need to help them. You need to help them <laughs> learn. So I get that. Makes a lot of sense. Right. Well, and here's I heard a um, an FBI agent said this. She she was talking about social media, and she was talking about things. Um, you know, when law enforcement gets a weapon, they don't just get a weapon handed to them and say, "Well, good luck with that." They get trained for a lot of hours on that weapon, and then they have to be recertified. Oh, you know, throughout time, and. Social media can be a weapon uh, with our kids. And so we need to teach them how to use it. We need to walk through that with them. But then, you know, we need to kind of go through a recertification with them and not just, well, they're fine. Let them go. Um, It's really important that we're involved parents when it comes to things like that. Yeah. Now, we talked about the average age being 13. So that's the that's the restriction that there's that they put on there. You need to be 13 to use this site. Right. I don't know if you've heard this, but Facebook, the company that owns Instagram and Snapchat as well, they are trying to create Instagram for kids. They're trying to create a kid's model yeah. starting as young. I believe the age requirement is six years old. Now, I don't like it. <laughs> how bad, bad idea. I mean, bad how idea. do you feel about it? Well, here's what we need to understand about social media because it, it and phones in general, smartphones, it, it's more than just a networking site. What we have learned is that when, when we have, so you get a like, or you get a you know like on Instagram, you get a follow on Instagram, and that just that just changes those endorphins. So we get we get excited, we get okay, that is exciting. Now as those endorphins rise, that's what addiction is. I mean, that's what we want to go back to that feeling over and over again. Same thing with alcohol, same thing with drugs, and so what is happening is it's literally changing our brain chemistry and how we think, how we react, how we feel. So you start that at six years old and let's face it, it won't start at six. I mean, it's going to start much, much younger than that. Um, We are training our children that this is how you get excited. This is how you you can feel good about yourself. This is where you get your confidence. And that is, that's what's happening. So it's so much more than just a social network. Yeah, it really is increasing anxiety. It's increasing depression. And with COVID, what we saw is it actually increased human trafficking, because our kids were spending so much more time isolated and on social media. So it allowed traffickers so much more access yeah. that, that dopamine rush. I mean, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, uh, it's, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like chasing the dragon, you know what I mean? Right. And That's I, just, right. I, it really blew my mind when I heard six years old. I mean, because I, I, my train of thought, I'm thinking about this, you know, even even at 13 years old, that's a developmental age. You're learning how to interact. Yeah. And at six years old, right. that's like a core age. That's like you're not even you're not yeah. even developing interaction with other human beings yet. You know, right? No, exactly. And so what happens? Well, we don't learn how to interact with other human beings. All of that interaction is through social media. And we're seeing 
a group of kids who have never known a time without social media. And so it's changed the entire way that they um, have conversations, that the way they communicate with each other and, and the way they receive, um, you know, that, that confidence that all, I mean, it just, it changes everything. Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, um, one of the things you mentioned earlier was, you know, keeping the kids away from other kids and that sort of being at home, stuck in your own environment on your phone all day long. Um, going back to talking about how to handle your kids and how to um, handle their interactions with social media, how important is it to talk about secrets? Mm. So that is really huge. Um you know, we actually have that conversation about trustworthy people because it's it's not about random or stranger danger anymore. It's got to be about who is a trustworthy person. And one of the characteristics that differentiates a trustworthy person and a non-trustworthy person is a trustworthy person will never ask you to keep a secret from your parent or guardian. And it's really interesting to have those conversations with kiddos because, um, you know, sometimes secrets are really important to them. So we're not talking about, okay, I found out you want to date Jimmy John. So I'm going to, you know, not tell anybody. Those are fine secrets to keep. But really getting kiddos to understand that if somebody is asking you to keep a secret that um, is from mom and dad, from parent or guardian, that that could be detrimental. And what does that look like? Those are things that we don't want to keep to ourselves. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing with sexual abuse. That's what people who are abusing our kiddos do that, you know, this is a secret. Don't tell your parents for whatever reason. So one of the things we really drive home is tell somebody until. Tell somebody until you get the help you need. Tell somebody until um, somebody believes you, whatever that may be. But those kind of secrets are just not okay. And we talk about that quite frequently in the classroom. Yeah, I I think that's key. You know, I I really think that, um, number one, I think the education is just, it's so necessary. It's, so it's everything. Yeah. Now, for somebody that's on the outside of that too, um, what what exactly is there anything? If somebody is being trafficked, if we think that we're witnessing mm-hmm. somebody being trafficked, are there things to look out for? You know, everybody hears the the old police phrase: "If you see something, say something." But right, what what should, oh, what does it look like? Yes, exactly, <laughs> right? What does it look like? Yeah, it looks different when you're looking at somebody you don't know. Then when you're looking at somebody you do know. So for example, if if you are walking in Walmart and you see a couple that maybe doesn't seem to match, maybe there's somebody who's a lot older, somebody who is a lot younger, or you just go, that could be a sign. Um, a lot of times an individual who's being trafficked will not make eye contact they will not do any of the talking. And so you might see um, at, uh, let's say, somebody's at the hospital, and the individual's doing 
one individual is doing all the paperwork, handing the ID over, doing all the talking, and the person who is actually the patient is saying nothing. That could be an indicator. And you might see that same thing in a, a supermarket. You have somebody doing all the paying, the other person's not even looking up, not making eye contact. Um, those are indicators. But if it's somebody you know, um, a family member, somebody close to you. One of the things I always say is one of the best ways to prevent human trafficking is to build relationships. Traffickers build incredible relationships. We need to build better ones. Mm-hmm. And so it's asking those questions behind the questions and really knowing the individual you're, you're talking to. So maybe they start dressing differently. Um, maybe there's an older partner in their life, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, that just, I want to know more about this. Um, maybe, maybe they're falling asleep in class all of the time. And that could be they're gaming every night, but that also could be maybe they're being sold at night. Um, they might have, um, all of a sudden their, their behavior is changing. So they're, they're going from, you know, what their normal was to something atypical than their normal. So maybe they're hyper submissive, maybe they're more angry than they were. So those kind of things could look like a troubled teen could look like drugs. So again, it's asking those questions behind the questions. So you got a new job. That's awesome. Tell me how you get to spend your money. Or, wow, you got this emo look going on. Tell me about that. What's that all about? I don't know. You know, tell me about your relationship. It's asking the questions because that will get somebody to open up. But in order for that to happen, you've got to have some sort of relationship with that person. Yeah. I was watching a video a little bit earlier um, about... This, this guy was talking about how to talk to your kids, and it seems like any time you talk to a kid in school or something like that, you're like, oh, hey, how was, how was your day at school? And they're like, great. And that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, that's right. And the, the whole point of his video was he was talking about, you know, when you the, – one of the ways to do that is – one of the ways to get a better response for that is to, you know, mm-hmm. say, hey, who sat in front of you? two seats today in your math class or, you know, what was, what was the subject about that science lesson or something like that? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it, it makes, it makes people think about it. Do you have any other topics right. to sort of open up the conversation in regards to this topic that you're talking about? Yeah. You know, I, I used to ask my kids all the time, tell me the best thing that happened to you today and tell me the worst thing that happened to you today. And that starts to get a conversation rolling. One of the things I would say is that as a parent, in order to get your kiddo to start talking, you have to already be engaged. And some of that is, you know, we're talking about the kids on the phone, but what do our habits look like? I was at the orthodontist with my daughter one day and I was sitting in the waiting room waiting for her and there was a dad and his daughter and he, they were obviously waiting for somebody and the daughter, the dad was on the phone like this the entire time, entire time. The daughter was literally dancing in front of him and he refused to look up. And so 
we have to start that by being engaged too. And I think that is, so you've got a kiddo who starts talking about Minecraft and that's what they want to talk about. And they can talk an hour for an hour on Minecraft. We get to listen. Now we may not have any, any idea what they're talking about, but it shows that engagement. And so that when you can, when you go then to your kiddo and say, Hey, so talk to me about these followers you have. I want to learn kind of about your social media and what's going on there. It's not going to be out of the blue. Now mom's just trying to get me to talk. It's going to be genuine. And so that's how I always started. But some of the questions you can ask, they need to be open-ended. You definitely want to ask questions about um, very specific things. I think that's a great example. But you could even go through their social media with them. And so you're on Instagram and you say, okay, tell me about this follower. How'd you meet that person? Okay, now tell me about this follower. How'd you meet that person? And just opening up that communication about social media, because then if they have somebody, well, I don't really know that person. Hmm. Well, let's talk about that. Maybe we shouldn't have that person fault, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I gotta say you did kind of hit me right in the feels with that comment about the phone. It's it's way too close (laughs) to home. It's way too close to home. Yeah. For all of us, for all of us. I I know she didn't mean it. Misfit. She didn't mean it. Sorry. No, it's it's so real. It's so real. These things are so addictive. I mean, it's it's yeah. just the the constant connection and the ability to have, you know, any question answered immediately. So you've got it in your pocket all the time. Right. And they actually have studies done where, you know, there's a have you heard of phantom phone syndrome? Oh my gosh, I hate yeah, that. I have it I have it happen all the time. I have it happen when I'm driving. And that's the worst part because I don't even I'm like very particular about texting and driving. And yeah. all, all of a sudden I'm like, where's my phone? Where's it at? I don't have it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's weird. We have the weirdest 21st century problems. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We are, we are making history like every other yeah. day. So I'm about done with making history, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I could use a little bit less history too. One of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about, and it's in regards to social media. We've talked a lot about social media safety and things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard this. I, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. There was a big news story that came out about the Facebook whistleblower. Um, yeah. And she was, I believe, the director of um, of civic integrity. I think. was one Yeah. Of those. Yeah. And, I think that's yeah, right. And she was she's she's basically the per- one of the people that was in charge of what gets shown on Facebook. And what happened was she realized that Facebook was um, sort of about to let her go and she wasn't having that. So she copied a bunch of internal documents. I want to say like 10,000 internal documents that basically released information saying that Facebook knows about everything that goes on in the site and that for the most part, they only, um, they only stop about three to 6% of hate speech and, um, yeah. counterfeit or illegal uh, illegal paraphernalia being sold and things like that. And it also included human trafficking. And the thing, the thing mm-hmm. that really stuck out to me was that under 1%, I want to say it was 0.6%. 0.6. Yeah. 
Yeah. Six percent of um of kids uh, of activity that's involving minors. Violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I mean that that's not being any action taken on. So they know all of this stuff. So my, my question yeah. that I wanted to ask you, you know, with your knowledge of everything in social media and their relationship with kids, do you think that there is a responsibility of all these companies to sort of be held accountable for all of these things that go on? I, I personally do. Yes. And I think there, and I, and I don't know what that looks like. Absolutely. I mean, let's face it. I I am not one to believe that Facebook really cares at all about us. I mean, and I think that if we, you know, I heard Mark Zuckerberg's response. Um, very nice. But I just, I don't buy that he's about us and getting us this ability to connect as, as communities. And it was a great idea, right? But we know that the amount of bullying that happens on social media, and I'm not even talking about kids, I'm talking about adults. I mean, it is overwhelming. And it's gotten worse. And so uh, Facebook, Instagram, whomever is not stopping those things from happening. And why would they? It's, it's profitable for them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's literally what's going on is that they're choosing profits over the well-being of human beings. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, and going back to what you talked about, about Mark Zuckerberg, if I could think of one person that is less empathetic and less like humanoid, (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, he's just so robotic, but when he's like, I care about you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's totally not real. It's totally not real to me. But, it just doesn't come across as genuine. It just yeah. doesn't. No. It's it's insane. We were talking about that, that profit model that they're doing. And yeah. going back to what we were talking about, six-year-old kids. That's, that's yeah. who they're trying to profit yeah. off of. That's the well, right. Obviously, they do not care because we know that at that age, I mean, they're not even. Here's the deal about social media and just about anything with kids. We've got a prefrontal cortex that is our decision maker in our brain. That is not fully developed until when? Do you know? 21. 25 for women, it's 50 for men. Oh, <laughs> just come kidding. on now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Now, low blow, low blow. <laughs> it's 25, 25 to 30, that it's not fully developed. Wow. And so we're talking about kids that, I mean, they just, they don't have the capacity or the ability to see those dangerous things around the corner because their decision maker of those big decisions is not fully developed. You know, and I I think that when we start something like social media at six years old, and you know what's going to happen, we've got parents who are putting their kids in front of their phone, in front of their iPad, as a babysitter, and that is going to um, just developmentally, that is not a healthy thing. 
I hate to say it. I've done it myself. I mean, I, I got to say it's sometimes it's it's hard. You know, sometimes sometimes you need a little five, 10 minute break. But yeah. we do it way too often. Yeah. Um, yeah. My generation in particular, it's like, you know, oh, you go out, you go out to dinner. Yeah. Sometimes you want to have a nice dinner, but you don't just bring out the iPad every single time. I, I get it. Yeah. I get no, it. And I'm not. I'm no saint. You know, I mean, I know it sounds like I'm saying, you know, I've done it right all of the time. I have not. And the the difference between you and me is I'm older. And so uh, my kids early on, we didn't have phones, we didn't have the iPads. And so it was a little different. But, you know, you sit them in front of the TV, you sit them in front of whatever. And, and, that's what you do occasionally. And that's okay. If it's occasionally, it's when it's all of the time and it's become consistent that, that it's a problem. I wanted to go back to something real quick. So, um, we were talking about, we were talking about the social media companies and their, um, responsibility that's attached to them. And I was actually doing a little bit of research because I, I kind of had a heavy handed feeling about this. And it turns out I was, I was reading, there's actually a law, um, as to why we can comment on anything on the internet. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I found today I learned today. I learned. Okay. I'm going to learn from you here. Yeah. So the law is actually about, there was a lawsuit with the website, um, I want to say roommates.com, I believe was the name of the website. And somebody had gone onto their website and posted something, I believe hateful in one mm-hmm. of the comments of like a review or something like that of the, um, of the roommate, the roommate that they were reviewing something like that. Okay. And the company got sued and the entire lawsuit was based around, um, it was based around, can people are, are these companies held liable for yeah. the content that their users put on their site? Not the content they right. put out, but their users put on the website. And that's actually it, it was it was it was formed for the web companies. It, it, they they want it because they are saying that they're not for that. But the entire mm-hmm. entire idea that has changed that that law that lawsuit was I want to say like 14 or 15 years ago. It was very early in the, in the internet. And it was a completely different time back then. You know, when we've got when we've got people posting blatant things now with there's an intent behind it. Yes. And there's an entire industry created around trafficking people through social yeah. media. So, you know, what do you think if this goes unchecked, what do you think the future is for that? Well, we have definitely seen an increase in trafficking. Um, in fact, so so trafficking globally was the second and and still is, as far as the reports I've seen, the second only to drug trafficking globally as a as a um, industry. But I heard that they were projecting, and this was right before COVID, that they were projecting that in 2020, it would actually be the number one global illegal industry. So um, we know it's increasing. What used to be legwork for traffickers, you know, you have to go out, you've got to find the people, you got to lure them, whatever, now can be done at the press of a button. And what we always tell kids, but adults too, 
when you have access to the world, the world also has access to you. And so definitely, I don't see this, I don't see it getting better. Um, I think that that's why that education piece is so, so critical. We know that less than 2% of trafficked individuals are recovered. So if we can actually stop it before it starts, that's our goal. I mean, imagine what we could do with, you know, save on restoration, recovery, mental illness, but we um, we're just seeing it increase at such extreme levels because social media is always one step ahead of us. We need to understand that our thoughts are a commodity, just like just like money, just like anything else now. And right. there's there's this new sort of revelation that our data, um, we we just gave this information to the social media companies, and we don't realize yeah. how valuable that data is. You know, and that's how, right, and how and how important and how much I mean ha- the effect that any of our interactions online. Um, can have on not only ourselves but other people, the entire world. So yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And I'm so happy that you're educating people about it, and I'm very happy that you're educating kids about it. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. So Stephanie, thank you very much for for doing what you're doing. I, I appreciate um, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking to me. And this has been very informative. I've had a blast. Thank you. No worries. No worries. <laughs> so um, with that being said, you know, how can people get a hold of you? Do you have a website? Do you have a social media? Yeah. How can people contact you to find out more information about you and your organization? Absolutely. Yes, they can find us definitely on Facebook and Instagram um, at Set Me Free Project and also TikTok, uh, believe it or not, and um, YouTube, all of those, Set Me Free Project. Um, But we, uh, the best place to reach us is our website, setmefreeproject.net. And um, you can contact me directly at Stephanie at setmefreeproject.net. We love what we do. Um, We, we travel And we also have a program. If there's organizations that want to do this work, we have, we call it selling our model. So we not only provide the curriculum, but more importantly, we teach you how to do it the way we do it, to be engaging and to have fun and and be dynamic. And so we support those agencies throughout the year if they're interested in in doing what we do. And so a lot of opportunity. Everything we do is at no charge whatsoever with the schools. And so we always... um, we 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 have schools who who support us and who donate but we do not have a set fee so there's always opportunity to partner with us in that way and volunteer and um yeah we would love to we would also love to just hear from people because um there's a lot of questions out there so we're always willing to work with people well i didn't i didn't know that about the free that's that's amazing yeah. Well, Misfits, go check them out. I, I really think that they're very knowledgeable. Stephanie is very clearly knows what she's talking about. And you're right on point with everything you said tonight. So kudos. Kudos. Thank you. I really appreciate being on your show and 
Thank you, Misfits. And thank you, Chris. This was a great night. Yeah, no worries. So we're winding down a little bit towards the end of every show. Um, I ask everybody one question and it's in two parts. Um, okay. And you haven't been able to prepare for this at all. That's what makes it kind of fun. Cause <laughs> <laughs> every time, every time I ask somebody this, uh, they, there's always like a pause and it can be, it can be anything you want, anything you want. I'm just putting it out there. Okay. All right. So what was the last goal that you completed and what's the next goal that you want to set? Wow. That's good. That is good. Okay. Um, Here's the pause. The, <laughs> well, and I'm trying to decide, is this a work goal? Is this a personal goal? It can be anything, right? Really anything. I had someone tell me that they wanted to catch a sturgeon one time next time they went fishing. It was great. Oh, okay. So here's my goal. This is what I will say. So um, I bought a pull-up bar. Because I wanted to do pull-ups. I mean, that was, and pull-ups are really, really hard for me. I've got good arm strength. I can lift weights, but pull-ups were, are just not my thing. And I ruptured my Achilles tendon not too long ago, long recovery. I do not recommend that for anybody. (laughs) Um, But so I've been in this awful boot for like months. It's just been a terrible thing. But my son, who got me the pull-up bar, came in. He was like, okay, Gaines, come on, Gaines. We're going to do it. And I got up there, and I did a pull-up nice. with my boot on. Wow. That's like three pounds additional. So that that is a goal that I am very happy I achieved. Now I just have to now do two and then three. And so, hey, yeah. I believe in you. I believe in you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Did I answer both questions? I, I got what was that's the that's the one that you've completed. What's the next one you want to set for yourself? Or was that the two and the three? You could do you could play it off like that. Okay. Yeah, so I could, but I'm gonna go even one up then. So been in the stupid boot, just started walking again, and I was killing my workouts. I was killing my just my, my personal. So my goal is to get back to where I was um, physically fit before the stupid injury that I had. And then also do I want to do like at least five pull ups. There we go. So all right. There you go. Stephanie's getting ripped. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I like yes, absolutely. I got a lot of I got a lot of things to do. I don't want to slow down. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun and very informative. Misfits, again, go check her out on the the Set Me Free Project website. Uh, Thank you again so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. You have a great evening, all right? Thank you. It was fun. I appreciate it. You too. All right. No worries. Misfits, thanks again for listening. Have a great evening. Well, Misfits, we did it. That's our episode. I want to thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to our sponsors. If you want to support any of our sponsors, there are affiliate links on the Sponsors tab of our website at www.misfit-heroes.com. You can also find links to all of our social media there, so follow us for immediate up-to-date info about the podcast. Please, if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to help me out, do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button down below so you're notified of new episodes as they're released, and make sure to leave a rating or review of the show on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Truly, Misfits, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next episode, be kind, 
love one another and be a hero.